Welcome back to Bible Love. Uh, for those of you who listen from St. Martin's, you'll see a familiar face here. Hold on. We're going to stop. And you... <laughs> will you start us off, Mary Balfour? I'm confused. Because okay. I, I normally stopping. pray. It's stop. We're not stopping. Keep going. So, hey, everybody. You will see who our guest is in just a minute. But before we get there, let us pray to the day you're hearing this is the saints day of the confession of saint peter the apostle so the lord be with you and also with you a mighty father who inspired simon peter first among the apostles to confess jesus as messiah and son of the living god keep your church steadfast upon the rock of this faith so that in unity and peace, we may proclaim the one truth and follow the one Lord, our Savior, Jesus Christ, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. All right, now you can take it away, Alan. All right, now, see, we're switching roles here. I normally pray. You normally do the intro. I can't think on my feet that quick. Um, uh, Okay, so we are joined today by the Reverend, nearly priested, Gavin Tomlin. He is, uh, what do you do again? No, he's, (laughs) yeah, he works with me, not for me. We are in mutual ministry together. He's the curate. He is uh, my right-hand man. He's the Alexander Hamilton to my George Washington uh, here at St. Martin's. And today's content day, man, we recorded YouTube videos about saints and about Jesus' second coming. And now we're talking about Apocalypse and Daniel. Yeah. Well, hey, first of all, before before you say anything, I'm so happy you're here, Gavin. I had the pleasure of meeting Gavin um, in December at his very dear friend and my very dear friend's ordination, uh, the Reverend Mitchell Felton, who will be on very soon. And one of the things I love about you and Mitchell is y'all are both right out of seminary and you're like, there are parts of the Bible that I think are amazing. And there are parts of the Bible that are just terrible. And so when, uh, when Alan was like, let's have Gavin on, I was like, okay, good. I love someone that has just studied this stuff and has actual opinions, which is wonderful. So thank you for being here, Gavin. Oh, I love Talk this. Talk to us about Daniel and your oh, thoughts. Just Daniel. Um, all right. Uh, so Daniel's a super weird book, right? Uh, and we as Episcopalians and, you know, others who use the, the revised common lectionary barely ever see it. And when we do, it's very, very specific passages, right? So it shows up, it'll show up this year um, in year B. And then uh, it also shows up on like All Saints Day. Um, but Daniel is a is a, is a stunning like work of literature. But more than that, it is um, a brilliant um, form of an apocalypse. Um, and so when we're talking about apocalypticism or we're talking about what on earth that is as a genre. Um, 
Daniel always gets brought up because it is in a strict sense an apocalypse, which is uh, anything that has this kind of divine intermediator who comes forth and reveals uh, apocalypse, apocalypses. It means revealing a pulling back of the curtain um, who reveals what is true in the world. And so in Daniel, it's a, it's a pretty almost split evenly book between the first half of the book, one through six, and then seven through 12 between court tales. And so that's the one that we know. Those are the ones we know really well, right? That's the, uh, the removal um, from Judah. That is the, um, that's the, furnace that's the the big chocolate bunny from the uh veggie tales that's you know that's the lion's stories all the stories that's the stories that's one through six and then seven through twelve are his apocalyptic visions and this is um a lot of commentators and scholars are gonna say like you have to see them as two pretty much separate books and i don't know if i buy it so much um but and there's a, there's a reason for that and we'll get into it especially when we're talking about seeing daniel as an apocalypse and not just you know a piece of history or pseudo history or whatever um but uh, it's a uh, it's a super interesting fascinating book that i love very much well, let me ask you this. So why, I mean, not that you can like get in the heads of the people that read the lectionary, sure. but why do you think it is not very prevalent in the lectionary? Is it because it's so weird because it's so different? Cause it might scare the heck out of people when yeah. they read it. I mean, yeah, I think so. I mean, because you have like, there's the ones that we know, right. And it's, it's interesting cause we don't super get those even in the lectionary, um, at least on the, the Sundays. But, um, like, we know these stories about um, the court tales, chapters one through six, but then the visions when you're getting, like, the four beasts of chaos or, you know, the he-goat and the little horn or, you know, the anti-messiah in chapters nine and 12 and all this stuff. And it's like, that's very weird stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we don't necessarily know what to do with it. And um, so it can it can appear scary. It can appear very different than what um, a lot of other prophets are. And even in like, we, we keep it or we, we classify Daniel as a prophet, but in, in, um, in the Jewish, um, in the Hebrew Bible, it's classified as a writing. Um, And so it is, it's more literature than prophecy, right? More prophet than prophetic. Um, But I think that seeing it as kind of a both and, um, as well as an apocalyptic book, sort of like Revelation. In, in a lot of ways, it's incredibly like Revelation. John the Revelator uses so much imagery from Daniel. And if you want to understand Revelation, you got to understand Daniel. And to understand Daniel, you got to do some study. So. Yeah, Dr. Tony talked about that last week. And I think that's important to say, you know, that both both are important to understand each other. Um, if you really want to dig in. So talk to us about 7 through 12, because we we will talk about the fun stories next week. Okay. You love the 7 through 12. And I, talk to us about that. So one of the things that I like about them is that they are these like the strict form of an apocalypse. Um, and I, I want to talk a lot about how they, they're connected in some ways, um, the, the first half of the book and the second half of the book. But kind of 7 through 12... Um, we're seeing Daniel working in this perfectly apocalyptic framework that sees like 
the existence of two ages, the one that is, the one that is to come. We're seeing like the embattled sovereignty of the reign of God. Um, we're seeing the ancient of days and we're seeing sort of this imminent eschaton that is coming forth. Um, and I love this stuff, one, because it's weird, you know, it just it's it's kooky and it's different and it's not immediately accessible. And so there is some some, you know thing about that where it's like oh i like this stuff because it's tough to understand sure but um i also really like this stuff because it has the added benefit added benefit of um kind of pulling back this curtain and that's what one of the reasons i love apocalypticism in the scriptures is that it shows the very nature of god um, and it shows us who God is. It shows us even in some really cloudy and sometimes coded language, like what God is doing in the world and the very nature of God. And so like in chapter seven, um, we have the Daniel's vision of the four beasts of chaos who rise up out of the sea. And, you know, the Old Testament uh, Hebrew Bible, Every anytime you have like the roiling seas, it's chaos, right? And so you have these four beasts that rise up out of it, and it's the the lion with the wings and the bear and the leopard and the beast with the ten horns that uh, has one that grows and supplants three. And it's very confusing, but um, Daniel has this explained as kind of tying back to the dream of King Nebuchadnezzar in chapter two, um, where he sees this. Uh, statue made of gold and silver, bronze and iron and clay, and it's representative of kind of the four nations that came after and supplanted Israel. Um, and what we see in in chapter two is this uh, a rock that was not hewn by human hands, right? That comes out of the mountain and destroys the uh, the um, the statue, and then becomes the mountain of God, Mount Zion. This is the place where God is. And so uh, the thing, one of the other things about apocalypticism that I love so much is that in apocalyptic literature, God is sort of the sole actor um, in history. And so it's not a rock that was hewn by human hands. It is God, God's self that is the one destroying the nations. It's not on human beings. It's not on us to like destroy empire. We live in resistance against it. We witness to the kingdom of God, but it is on God's time alone that this happens. And so the rock that is not hewn by human hands comes down and destroys it. And then in chapter seven, when we have these beasts of chaos, we see in, in effect the same thing where we see the ancient of days coming from the clouds surrounded by the saints, you know, and then someone with the appearance like a son of man who is given uh, dominion and authority and uh the, this is the embattled sovereignty of God who takes down the beasts. So, okay, I, let me let me ask you a couple questions there. So, first of all, the imagery is you're beautifully describing it, and some people might be really drawn to that the imagery. But I also also think a lot of times like, okay, how is this playing in my own life? Right? Mm-hmm. Like how like how can I understand this apocalyptic? literature in the book of Daniel in 2024 in Greenwood. Yeah. Yeah. The first kind of thing that's sort of hitting me is in the way that you're describing it is God is there. God's Mm -hmm. these things happen. Why am I like standing in the way of that? 
Um, just something this week. Um, I had, we have a, a retreat coming up and this person said they wanted to go. And this is like kind of the last person that I would have thought would want to go to something like this. And I was like, this is interesting. And I was like, I don't know. I don't know. And then I thought about it and I was like, why am I getting in the way of this? Like, this is God's, just like you're talking about, build, God building a mountain, God being in, in present, God being there. And so I'm always just trying to kind of like attach modern day life to what, and and is that, do you think that's kind of jabs with what was oh, happening? Oh my gosh. Like, yeah, I mean, Someone not wanting, someone deciding to go on a retreat, and you know Daniel being a political prisoner of an oppressive empire. Don't go together. But um, like the reality is, like in in everything, the the thing about apocalyptic literature or apocalyptic living framework, whatever, um, is it's not about everything coming to an end. It's not about a cataclysm. The word apocalypse just has been made to mean that. But the reality is it's always just about where is God breaking in and showing up? Yeah. Where is God breaking down barriers that we ourselves either put up or we're standing in the way of, or we are trying to break down and we can't because we're not God. It's not our job to do that. And so much better said, Gavin, exactly what I was trying to say. Much better said. Exactly. And so like we see, we see this sort of thing all across the Bible. Like it's a strict apocalypse here in Daniel and in Revelation, but in the Pauline letters, in the gospels, we see this time and again, where the ending of an age, the beginning of a new one and God showing up like the, um, the incarnation of Jesus Christ, that's apocalyptic, yes. right? The second coming, that's apocalyptic. Jesus Christ revealing God, who God is, the very, the, the visible image of the invisible God, Colossians, right? Or like in, in many times, in many days, he spoke through the prophets, but now he has spoken definitively through his son, who is the very imprint of his exact nature, Hebrews. Like this is apocalyptic stuff. And so wherever God is showing up, that's what this is about. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I love that. Thank you. Because I think our our readers, our listeners need to kind of connect with sure. it. Right? We all do. So yeah. I love that. All right. Tell us some other cool literature in Daniel that you're drawn to. I mean, I really love, um, I mean, so historically and so I am a, I'm a true student of, uh, of Dr. Stephen Cook from VTS and he is, uh, he is, um, I learned everything I know about apocalypticism from him and, uh, his whole thing um, is not the his here's historical context here's literary context here's canonical context right so not only how did this come to be or and not only what is it like what's the form of it but how is this functioning to the community mm. that as canonical and how does it function for us today um how did it come together um and so there are lots of ideas out there about how it came together. Was it a group of priests? Was Daniel a real guy? Was this written hundreds of years after it claims to have happened? I don't know, maybe. But like this, um, this book, the um, the book of Daniel, uh, was used in like the Maccabean revolt. This was seen as there are lots of things that are seen in here as things that happened during the Maccabean revolt, like the abomination of desolation, and uh, when. 
ooh, whatever king that was, I can't remember who it was, but set up an altar to Zeus in, in the temple. And that was this abomination of desolation that Daniel talks about. And whether this was written before that or after that, whatever. Um, but Daniel was used as this thing that was a promise to the Israelite people that their God had not abandoned them. Right. Even though they were in exile, even though they were back from exile, even though they were in another exile, even though they were under the thumb of an oppressive regime that couldn't care a lick about them, God was still with them and there was still hope to be had. And so um, you can look through Daniel and find all sorts of connecting points uh, to history. You can do that at any time and in any ways, and people have uh, across the centuries, you know, that this is pointing to uh, our day. This is pointing to something in the medieval ages. This is pointing to something that was happening in the Maccabean, uh, like in Seleucid Empire stuff. But the reality is like this was this was written as a thing that gave hope to the people who had none. And I love that, Gavin, because I think sometimes when we read the Bible or in our own lives, we we lose that hope. We forget, you know. And um, I'm sure that the two of you every day encounter people that have lost that hope or encounter it within yourself. I do. Yeah. I lose my own hope. Sometimes I lose. I'm trying to help somebody else find their hope. And I think it is so important not to like quote scripture, but to be able to like point people back like this is happened before and God never left. Not one time. Yes. Yes. And like in, in, in Daniel seven, there's uh, lots the Christian history has been rife with people interpreting like the son of man imagery and messianic stuff as Jesus, which, you know what? We're Christians. I'm fine with that. I love that. I'm good with it. Um, And interpreting some of the stuff in, you know, Daniel seven as stuff that happened in revelation four and five with the lamb who was slain, who has seven eyes and seven horns seated on the throne. And the only one who was able to open the scroll, that's hope. You know, this is the one who came and died and got back up and he's coming back for us. That's the hope that God God himself has not stopped caring. God himself has not stopped working and acting in the world and continues to work on our behalf for our good and for his glory. I love that. All right, Alan, I know you got a thought here. This is your man. Uh, I'm just I'm just wondering why there hasn't been like a death metal band called Beast of Chaos. <laughs> I'm just no, it's, I hear you, Gavin, talk about apocalypticism a bunch. You've got our whole Sunday morning Bible study through the book of Acts, knowing what apocalypticism is, right? Like, uh, people are going to start thinking we're some preppers around here. Uh, we talk about it so much. Um, Let's kill it back. <laughs> yeah. What do we do today with books like this? Yeah. Um, I think that, let's see, realistically, in our tradition, uh, we're not going to see this very often. Um, I think that even when we do, there's an option to not preach on it. Um, and that is, I think, doing a disservice to something that adds not just color, but so much to like the lived experience of the Christian person. Yeah. And so I think like, 
doing our own work as clergy people, as leaders, um, to try and understand this stuff uh, to a point where we can talk about, like, we have a wild history as Christians. It's not all, like, it's not all baptisms in beautiful cathedrals. It's right. it's it's weird guys talking about visions of, you know, a he goat and a little horn, you know, that's, that's weird stuff. And, um, I think in a, in a really kind of counterintuitive way, talking about the weird stuff helps people understand that like, uh, we got, we got a crazy uncle in the attic too. Okay. (laughs) Like we do, and we're not afraid of him. And he adds so much to what we're doing and talking about, and you can see it across the New Testament that they dealt with Daniel very much, not just in Revelation, but all over. Um, and understanding kind of the, not just the context, but how this can add. So like doing our, doing a Bible study on it, even a quick one, doing an overview of it, giving some kind of, uh, you know, encouraging people to read this stuff is, is, uh, and, and helping them along the way, because reading this cold, you don't know what to do with it. Of course yeah, not. It's intimidating. It's yeah. intimidating. Yeah. I remember we had Cameron on a couple of weeks ago. We'll have him on in another couple of weeks. Cause we were talking about Ezekiel and he, you know, we're doing a Bible study on acts at our church. You know, it's easy. It's, we can get our heads around it. He decided we're going to spend a semester talking about Ezekiel. For the same reason, right? And so now, Gavin, next year, we're going to talk about Daniel for a semester or something, right? Because it's easy to pick up these stories that are nice and we know them and whatever. But we need to wrestle with the weird stuff because we need to realize, like, our faith is not, you know, milk toast and um, not waspy, Protestant, proper, you know. And it's all weird. It's the other thing. Like, every bit of it is weird stuff. Like, the fact that baptism i mean i just i just knocked on it a little bit not in an actual way bishop i promise uh but uh it's we are saying that we're going down into death and we're coming back that's weird that's super weird we claim that god became a baby that's wild why would we do that unless it's true you know and so like being willing to admit every bit of this is weird but we got to own every bit of it too yeah and you know also when you think about the church it's a place that's supposed to be welcoming to everybody. Right. And with that comes everybody. People that have mental illness, people that have amazing, horrible traumas in their lives, people that may behave differently than what the norm is. Right. And so to me, when I, you were talking about Daniel, I was like, you know, maybe this would help us understand some of those folks that boundaries are not quite clear or mental illnesses are there or, or whatever. Not saying Daniel had a mental illness. Don't hear me that. But, but that, that our history is like full of all kinds of amazing things. Yes. And we really are going to live into the church, which means welcoming everybody, even people that are not don't behave in the way we would like them to behave sometimes, you know, um, every church has had this. I've had this at every church I've served. There has been someone that has been problematic. Let's just put it that way, you know, and how do we love them and care for them, but also have boundaries of, of, of appropriate behavior, you know, and it's very hard. It's very, very difficult. 
But I think going through and looking at Daniel, instead of saying, this is what the church says, maybe we should look at it and go, this is what Daniel said. This is what the Bible says. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, So I think there's a lot of interesting thoughts in all of that, you know, how this can connect with every part of our lives, you know? Absolutely. And there, there's really interesting. um, I don't have it. I think I might've just got it from the library when I was in school, but there's a really interesting commentary that, uh, that interprets Daniel from like a psychoanalytic lens as well. um, That is just fascinating stuff, even just beyond like, interpretation but like what are we seeing here psychologically psychoanalytically you know it's yeah there's a lot here okay well i love that you love daniel i think that's awesome i think it's great like I, we all have a book of the bible that we feel very like drawn to like that's my jam you know that's my that's my one and i like it like alan was saying like cameron talking about the hard stuff with ezekiel you starting about the hard stuff with daniel like this feels intimidating if somebody was going to go even though it's only 12 chapters it's a lot in that 12 chapters so i think that it was really helpful today that the way that you brought it like the lens to look through it and like embrace the weirdness embrace the uncomfortableness of it it because that is life Right. Not at all. I mean, I love what you said, a baby G. I mean, like, I believe in the virgin birth, like nobody's business, but that is weird. It is. It is. I believe in it. And I know it happened, you know, but it is weird. If anyone else was walking by, they'd be like, You believe in what? Like, that's crazy, you know? Um, So I love that lens that you brought to it. Um, Any final comments? Because you're not going to believe this. The time is almost up. I guess. I don't think so. I mean, read, read your Bibles, folks. Daniel. <laughs> yeah, read Daniel. It's great. It's great awesome. fun. And you're going to be back with us a couple more times um, this semester as we talk about some other weird books of the Bible. We like to bring Gavin on for the weird books. Anyway, thank you, listeners. And as always, remember that we love you, but most importantly, God does. <laughs>